Welcome, everyone. This is our fifth podcast, and you're listening to Tamini in Motion. I'm Tamini Farah, and today I'm going to be on the other side of the interview. My daughter, Vanessa Wingrath, who is a doula and lives in Tucson, Arizona, will be interviewing me about my story regarding Crohn's disease and some of the issues that have come up around it, as well as uh, some of some of the uh, strengths that I have developed over time. So, Vanessa, I'm going to hand the mic over to you. Thanks, Mom. Uh, uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited. As um, my mom said, my name is Vanessa Wingrath. I am a doula and a birth photographer in Tucson, Arizona. If you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm at Wild Rose Doula. You can also find me on my website, wildroseproject.com. But yeah, let's jump into it. So, Mom, share with us a little bit about your history with Crohn's disease. Um, well, I was diagnosed at about 13 years old, and at that point in time, the the diagnostics were not as good as they are today. So it took quite a while to diagnose, which meant that I went through quite a bit of pain that is associated with the disease. By the way, it's an irritable, um, it's an inflammatory bowel disease, excuse me, and it typically is diagnosed between the age of about 10 and 30. So um, it took a while to diagnose, and when they finally did, I had surgery. And um, through the years, I was, as, as a young, as a very young person, I was um, living on prednisone, a steroid, and was in and out of the hospital, which was difficult, um, as you can imagine, um, dealing with kind of this chronic uh, fatigue and pain and just the uncertainty that time of your life between 12 and 20 you're you're kind of uncertain about things to begin with and and this was just another layer of um uncertainty never knowing when i'd be hospitalized and what was going to happen so i did finally have surgery and um i i led a relatively normal um high school i would say adolescent period, um, except that I was on steroids, and of course those have side effects. And then um, I went to college. I, I, I want to go back and just mention that um, I started to dance when I was about four years old, and that was something that I loved, and it, it became very much a home base for me. Um, just my passion, and um, I started with ballet and continued, and I went to college, and I wanted to be a ballerina, so I studied with one of the prima ballerinas um, at that time, and I was working very, very hard at it, six, seven hours a day, and I ended up getting very sick, so that hospitalization and that um, I would say that period of time ended up leading to my having to have an ileostomy, which was really an emergency and meant to be temporary, which it was, but it did last for um, 11 years. I had an ileostomy, which is um, when the bowel is basically emptied out through a pouch on the outside of the body. And again, t today they have surgery where there's internal pouches, so it's it can be different, but... Mm. At that point, and you know, people still, of course, have ostomies now. 
Um, so that was quite traumatic in my very early life. How old were you when um, that happened? Well, at 19, I spent about a month in the hospital, mm -hmm. um, and I had the surgery. I had just turned 20, mm -hmm. and um, I was quite devastated, and it was quite traumatic. However, um, I, I did learn to live with it, and I wasn't in pain anymore, which was uh, the reason for the surgery to relieve uh, the agony of, of the pain, but also uh, the bowel bursts, mm -hmm. and, and that's, you know, that can be deadly. Right. So anyway, I went on to uh, live a very full life. Um, I got married, I had two of my, two of my three daughters, and you being one of them, uh, with the ileostomy, mm -hmm. I, 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 I got pregnant, mm -hmm. and I, I, I had my babies, um, and I continued to dance, and and and, uh, but it was difficult. It was it was a difficult struggle to kind of accept myself, which is um, something that we'll, I think maybe we get into a little bit more. But mm -hmm. um, and then eleven years later, I decided I wanted to have it reversed, and mm -hmm. and that's what I did. I I went through a major surgery at Mount Sinai Hospital and I had it reversed. When this was after and you had already had two kids, right? Two children, mm -hmm. and um, you know a lot went on at that period. I I went back and got my master's in social work. I became a psychotherapist. I had a third child, and um, I was very lucky because I do not have any active disease and have not been on medication for decades. Mm -hmm. However, I do want to mention that I was given an experimental treatment back in the 70s mm -hmm. that was extremely painful and the, the surgeon who administered it to me um, was actually fired from Columbia Presbyterian. It was a very interesting really? situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and years later, very recently, I'm going to say within the last six years, I researched him. He's now deceased, but he actually was one of the uh, doctors that discovered what we now call Humera. And everyone Ugh. sees the commercials on TV and mm -hmm. knows the miracle of Humera. But I was being given that as an experiment, and I do think that that uh, helped me. Yep. So, okay, so you were, the experimental drug was some sort of an earlier version of Humera. And, but why, did, why are you saying it was painful to go through the experimental treatment? Well, I was given injections in my thighs, oh, okay. and um, it's very it's very painful. People who go through the injections now will tell you that it's it's very painful. Okay. So. Oh, so people are still getting it as an injection now. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, so you so you're the disease onset when you were about how old? It's between 12 and 13. And then you had, uh, you, like you said, a little bit of a reprieve when you entered high school and college. But then when you were 19, you had a, a bad flare-up and then you ended up having to get the surgery. Is that correct? Right. Mm -hmm. But I, I want to mention, Vanessa, that, you know, 
because you know part of the reason I'm doing this is because I want to advocate and have been advocating people who live with chronic disease it's a whole mindset mm-hmm. that you have to get into mm-hmm. chronic pain mm-hmm. chronic issues um, because there is first of all back then especially nobody spoke about anything so there was a lot of shame and things you know were hidden and right. today it's very different everything is right. much more out in the open which is wonderful Mm -hmm. but you know there's a mindset of chronic illness so when I say I lived with it uh, relatively easily in high school I mean I was literally in I probably was hospitalized 20 times and a lot of people didn't even realize what was going on I had to be to leave school um, one year I had to take off the entire year and Mm -hmm. be homeschooled Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know so there were all sorts of things like that Okay, well, of course, this is very traumatic in your formative years, and like you said, treatment was very different. The whole cultural framing, the whole understanding around chronic illness um, was very different back then. Um, so, yeah, so I want to ask you, so you said you, you, you had the ostomy reversed when you were in your 30s, um, and then you went on to live uh, relatively disease-free after that. Um, so I'm wondering if you could share, like, now, after having several decades of perspective on going through, I mean, and I know that your experience with the disease has not been um, totally easy since you had your surgery reversed, but but now that you have all this perspective on going through this traumatic experience with the disease when you were younger, how would you say that that struggle shaped your character and who you became with this in your in in you Mm, that's a really really good question vanessa um it's it's absolutely central to my identity and who i am not necessarily that i have uh this disease but the the byproduct of what i went through and how i dealt with it has shaped who I am. And um, one of the things specifically is that I I had to withstand um, long periods of time where there were no answers. Mm-hmm. And I had to figure out a way to comfort myself and soothe myself. Um, you mean when you were a child? When I was, I'm going to say in the extreme periods of pain Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, you know, the literal pain, but also the chronic condition. Mm -hmm. But with with the actual pain, I had to just figure out a way because there was no medicine. Mm -hmm. There was nothing that was helping Mm me. And there was, I, you know, for better or for worse, my mother was adamant that she would not allow me to have any painkillers. So... Um, you know, in a way, it really strengthened me at, at the time. I mean, it was agonizing, but what I did figure out how to do, and I remember the moment of doing it, um, I figured out how to put myself in a trance and mm. separate my physical pain, um, my my actual body from my mind. Mm. 
So I kind of split myself and I went into a deep, deep state of like a trance, um, which is, you know, what hypnotherapy is Mm -hmm. and uh, deep meditation. And that was uh, transformative Mm. for me. It also I it also gave me a mental strength to know that I could get through basically anything Mm -hmm. that I had like almost a superpower only as you used the word perspective, I, I realized it years later, but at the time it was just something I did, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was one, that was one big thing. Um, I also um, realized at about, I'm going to say the age of 25 or so that I, I had a career in retail that um, lasted for about five years and then I, I I was aware that I really needed to help other people which is often the way when you go through mm-hmm. something yourself that you want to reach out and help others mm-hmm. so I did a lot of volunteer work I was on a crisis hotline I um, went and spoke to other young people in the hospital who were having ostomies done I did a, a lot of things like that as a young person and that that shaped me. Mm-hmm. Um, so you did that um, when you were after you already had the surgery. So you were able to. You weren't really feeling pain during that time, but you were living with with the ostomy. Yeah, and I, I, I also I I want to go back to something. This is key in contrast to what goes on in today's culture. Um, the patience that i ha- that i learned through having to wait and wait and wait and wait wait to feel better mm-hmm. wait for a surgery mm-hmm. wait for for you know it was it was just kind of what was it was the whole why mm-hmm. i like to use that word you know but it was just it became who i was like i had to have patience i didn't want to have mm-hmm. patience mm-hmm. it wasn't i wasn't a particularly patient person mm-hmm. but it became a big part of who I became um, in terms of, of just, you know, knowing and having some, op, you know, an optimism that things will turn and things will be better, but it's going to take some time. It's not going to be fast. And how do you think that you learned that? Like, was there anyone teaching you this? Like you said, you figured out how to put yourself in a trance, like you did that on your own. Like... Did you have any reading that you did that, that gave you any ideas about this? Did you have any mentors? Did you have any support? Yeah, another great question. I mean, I had a really loving family. I had great medical care. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a tremendous amount of stability mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in my home life. So, you know, I didn't have to deal with this with, you know, a very dysfunctional, crazy um, uh, home mm-hmm you know, violent home. Mm -hmm. But uh, with the trance, I figured this out myself. Uh, I guess necessity is the mother of invention. Mm -hmm. I I, I just kind of did it. I guess my body knew it needed something. Um, You know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have therapy back then. I wish I had. I didn't have uh, the dog. I didn't have any pet therapy, which mm-hmm. I I wish that I had, and I you know I wanted. Mm-hmm. I knew that was something I needed, but it wasn't available to me. Um, I had good friends, um, but no, and I I didn't know anybody else with with the disease. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
But I did eventually start going into New York and studying transcendental meditation. Mm -hmm. And and that that was a helpful thing, a tool, mm -hmm. I'm going to call it. Mm -hmm. It was something to hold on to. Mm -hmm. um, I'll go back to one thing you're, you're asking me, like how, what, you know, who helped mm -hmm. me. So I, ha I had... Um, as you know, of course, but I'll tell our listeners, my mother um, was Jewish, my father was a Christian Syrian, mm -hmm. and um, I did feel, there was a point in time where they didn't think I was going to live mm -hmm. past uh, teenage years, mm -hmm. so I, I did want some religion, and I was not brought up with any religious beliefs, mm -hmm. so I asked my mother to find somebody for me to talk to, mm -hmm. like a, a priest or a minister mm. or a rabbi. And she actually brought um, a Syrian Orthodox priest mm -hmm. into my life, which was remarkable um, for a Jewish woman mm -hmm. <laughs> who was basically an immigrant. Mm -hmm. you know. She was Ashkenaz um, from and an Ashkenazi Jewish family. Exactly. And he used to come over every week and he gave me religious lessons and then at 14, I was baptized, mm -hmm. and that was a coping mm -hmm, mechanism mm -hmm. for me. And then I started going to church by myself, mm -hmm. and that comforted mm -hmm. me, and I found a little home for myself in the church. That's very interesting because you're answering the question, but, you, but what you're telling me really is you, you, you were your own support system. I mean, yes, you had a supportive family, loving family, but... But you found you asked for the religion, you you figured out how, how to you know go deep within yourself when you were having the pain, and I know that you did end up getting a dog later on. You just knew that was what you needed. Um, you decided you wanted to have the reversal surgery and all that, and I think that that's really amazing. And I'm sure that it does inform your work as a psychotherapist and with anyone who's. Has, has who's had chronic disease or trauma or anything yes yes that there is a place that we all have deep inside ourselves where we know the knowing the knowing mm -hmm. place is called mm -hmm. and i think unfortunately it gets covered up because there's a lot of um as you and i have spoken a lot about in the past mm -hmm. a lot of people uh tell lies to themselves and to each other mm -hmm. and and there's just a and there's a lot of noise and um you know it becomes difficult for people to hear their truth and to tap into their own intuition about what's right mm -hmm. for them and that's a big part of what i do in my work mm -hmm. you know um, I help yes. guide people in that way. Yeah, this is this is really interesting, and which leads me to my last question, which is very much um, applicable to my professional work as a doula, but also just because I'm your daughter, I um, also have Crohn's disease. I was diagnosed when I was was it ten years old? Yes, and I would you say 10. it was um, the worst from about age ten to age. 14, I think, is when I remember things starting to go back to normal. And uh, for those who don't know, Crohn's disease often onsets at puberty, which is, like, very cruel that that's the way it is because it's, you know, it's just so hard for children to have to deal with this. But I also want to add that there there are varying degrees of, sever of severity with, with this disease. And I ha was 
am extremely lucky that I, you know, I had a few um, flare-ups later on in my teens and into my 20s, but I have basically been living disease-free for most of my life, um, which is a very different experience that you had. So I would like yeah. to hear what you have to say about how growing up with this experience of having a life-threatening disease, really, it wasn't life-threatening for me because it was, it was much later, treatments were different and better, and my case was less severe, but growing up with this disease like you had and then finding out that your own daughter had it, and so I'm wondering how that was for you and how, and also just generally, how having this experience informed your experience as a mother. Well, Vanessa, um, it was one of my worst moments as a mother to see um, my nightmare come to life, which was watching you in pain because your symptoms were very similar to mine initially, which was um, extreme abdominal pain mm -hmm. and severe severe weight loss um, yeah. and then going on the the prednisone mm -hmm. was, uh, you know, and then, of course, I just want to add, too, yeah. because this is my own personal experience. We've been, you know, for people who don't know anything about this, yeah, it's extreme pain. It's abdominal pain, but also eating exacerbates the pain. So oftentimes we avoid eating and that, you know, makes might make it feel better in one sense, but it, you know, leads to weight loss and malnutrition and stuff like that. Exactly. Also, um, it is, unfortunately, as you said, the onset is often at puberty, and so growth is interrupted. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we, both you and I had um, interrupted growth. I mean, you went on to be a beautiful five foot seven, <laughs> which is fantastic. And I went on to be a beautiful five foot four, and they, nobody ever thought that was going to happen. So they thought um, you wouldn't we grow. Both to be five foot four, you mean? Or that I wouldn't grow to be five foot seven? Right. Um, my growth was stunted. Mm -hmm. um, I, I apparently was supposed to have been taller, but, you know, I'm not complaining. And um, <laughs> that was just a big thing that was kept an eye on back right. then, you know, of how much I was growing and for you too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, but getting back to your question, so that was really a nightmare for me. Mm -hmm. it, it was very disturbing and, and but... Having said that, the fact that you did not have to live what I lived was an enormous relief beyond mm -hmm, description. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to have that surgery. You didn't have to. Yeah. Right. And um, I just might add here that I've had several surgeries mm -hmm. related to the Crohn's disease. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't the two, the three that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. I actually had um, a total of five related to the Crohn's mm -hmm, disease. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, but how do you think this factored into your mothering, just in general? Um, so I loved being a mother, and I was not one of these teenagers that fantasized <laughs> about being a mother or thought about it, unlike you. Um, <laughs> I, I really just didn't think about it that much, mm -hmm. um, but it was it was pro it, it profoundly life changing. Like any any mother says this, so that's not anything different. But 
I think for me what happened was that um, you know, I, I valued my life in a way that most, let's say, I had you at 26. So I valued my life uh, prior to that very differently because it was, uh, and you hear this from people who go through chronic illness mm-hmm. that, um, you know, they're just not sure how long they have. Right. And they also, uh, their time has been snatched away, which is something, and you know this from being my daughter, I I like to, you know, stuff a lot of things into (laughs) a short period of time because I don't want to miss anything. And it's just really, this is like leftover from the uh, time that was taken Mm -hmm. away, that I felt was taken away from Mm -hmm. me. But once I had my kids and and I I started to... um, this whole character development piece really started to come into play and I saw my my professional life and my personal life intersecting so closely and I realized that what I could bring to my mothering was also what I brought into my professional um, life as a therapist mm. and that was helping people to and, and my children to build character mm-hmm. And because I had personally gone through such character challenges and I feel came out quite victorious, mm-hmm. you know, on the other end of it, I was like, whoa, I have I have something really awesome mm-hmm. here that I can bring to my daughters. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this became like a real passion and and just a beautiful creative piece of my mothering years because of what I had gone through and what I saw I could bring to the three mm-hmm. of you in a way of enlightening you and opening things mm-hmm, up. Mm-hmm, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, and you were not overprotective of us in a way that I think is often assumed will happen when someone goes through illness as at a young age. Uh, you really did let us be ourselves in... Uh, you know, I guess, explore our own, our own character in a way that was different from each other and different from you. Yes, absolutely. I, I honored and respected from the moment you were born, the three of you, that you were going to be, to be, and to be Mm -hmm. you, that I wasn't going to, uh, um, Let's see, how do I put this? Because I mean, not to say that I wasn't interfering or projecting, but that I would um, see you Mm -hmm. and let you express yourself. Mm -hmm. And that was a key element of my particular mothering, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. was um, encouraging Mm self-expression in whatever form that that would take. Yeah, absolutely. Well... I'm, there's so much more I could ask you on this topic, but uh, I guess I'll leave it at that for right now unless there's anything else you want to add. No, I've really enjoyed this, Vanessa, especially having you um, ask the questions. Um, I There is so much more, but I think this is good for now, and um, I just hope that our audience finds uh, something interesting that they can take out of this. Yeah, and maybe we can pick. Yeah, yeah, and I hope we can. I hope we can continue the conversation on our own um, on our own platforms, 
And I'm sure I know that I am open to answering any questions that might come up about Crohn's and I know that you are as well open to that and that we are open to supporting anyone who might be hearing this and having a glimmer of recognition and something we're saying. Absolutely. Very well said. Yeah. Well, um, thanks for letting me interview you, mom. I am. It was a pleasure. Well, just yep. say again, I'm Wild Rose Doula on Instagram, wildroseproject.com. What do you want to say your stuff again, mom? Uh, yeah, yeah. So this podcast is called Tamini Emotion, and uh, that's actually a nod to my uh, dancing, which has, uh, I'll just throw this yeah. in now. That's been a, a lifeline for me throughout, which I continue to do now. And, and um, I teach a little, I dance a lot, and it's been a joy, and it's, it's kept me um, feeling very connected to myself, and I encourage other people to find a physical outlet as well. But anyway, so it's Tamini mm-hmm. Emotion, and my Instagram is uh, T underscore Motion, the number nine. Yes. So thanks for, yeah. Yeah, and I was just going to say, us. too, if anyone wants to be interviewed on Tamini's podcast, Tamini in Motion, you should get in touch. <laughs> Anyone who has a story of resiliency, bravery, uh, something unusual they'd like to share, I would love to hear from you. Yes. And um, that, yeah, that would be great. Okay. Well, thanks for having me. I guess that's all for now. Bye-bye. Bye.